Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. Um, this is Lauren. Do we introduce ourselves still? Um, when I start <laughs> off the podcast, I usually do because I don't know where else to go, honestly. <laughs> um, this is Naz. There we go. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I was having... Paying attacks left and right could probably tell you how I traced all of my panic, but I thought it'd be a great podcast because I had a couple people write to me on Instagram and they also have these crazy panic attacks. So we have Dr. V, Dr. Manipod on the podcast with us today. Is it, how do you say your first name? Vanilla. It's like vanilla. vanilla. It's like vanilla. Oh, I like that. Okay. That's vanilla so pretty. Manipod. She's on the podcast. She is a psychiatrist practicing out of California. Um, you give us a little background sure. on yourself. Sure. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for having me. So I'm based in Orange County. I work in private practice psychiatry. Um, I do a lot of different little things too. Like I'm editor in chief for my medical organization's publication. I teach at my medical school. I teach psychiatry, Western University of Health Sciences. Wow. And I started um, blogging like in 2010 when I was training as a resident in psychiatry because not enough psychiatrists were talking about this, their own struggles with mental health. So oh, I started doing that a while ago. And branched out into social media where I do my best to educate about mental health and make it easily digestible and understandable for the public. So lovely. What's your Instagram? Is that what you mean when you say social media or TikTok? Oh yeah. It's Dr. Vanilla Manipod. So just my name, (laughs) Dr. Vanilla Manipod. On Instagram or TikTok? On Instagram. On TikTok, it's my old, if you search for my name, you'll find me too. Amazing. Yeah. So... I think what kind of spurred on our podcast was, are there, is there a difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack? Yeah. Um, so could you give us a little insight on that? Sure. So uh, everybody has anxiety, right? When you have an anxiety attack, it's, I wouldn't, I don't want to necessarily say mild because any type of anxiety could be, you know, frustrating to experience, but Panic attack is compared to anxiety attack. It's like a full blown episode of anxiety that can feel really physical and you Mm -hmm. don't really know where it's coming from sometimes. So if you had to compare the two, panic attack feels a lot more distressing and more severe and physical, whereas an anxiety attack isn't as severe. Right. But is an anxiety attack physical? Yeah, it could be too, but... 
when we refer to panic attack, it's like, it's this specific episode, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know it's kind of confusing, but anytime you say panic, you think about all these physical- Like life or death kind of- Kind of feels like you're going to die. Yeah. Um, So if I had to categorize the two, I would just say a panic attack is definitely more severe and distressing and concerning to the individual experiencing it because- they don't know where it's coming from and they really feel like they might have to go to the hospital because something might be happening to them, like a heart attack or stroke or, mm-hmm. or something. Wow. So if I am, if my heart's beating really fast and my mind's racing, how do I know if I'm having an anxiety attack or a panic attack? And it's like your first episode ever and you're like, I've never experienced this before type yes, of thing? Yes, yes, because I, because I feel like I'm starting to have friends that are experiencing this for the first time in their 30s now. And yes. so that's also what spurred on this podcast where it's like, how do I know if this is something I need to go to the hospital for or if this is something I can calm myself down from? Right. So, and that's a tough one because if you're experiencing it for the first time, it's not like you're a medical, pro- well, maybe someone's even a medical professional and still may not know what's going on with them. But even for someone who's not a medical professional, it's going to be extremely confusing because you don't know if this is like, it might feel like a heart attack, but maybe you're really young and in your 20s and you're like, I don't know what a heart attack feels like, but this seems like what it would be. Um, yeah. Or you're just kind of not even thinking clearly because you're going through this really distressing episode. So what I would tell people is that if they're not necessarily sure, um, I know it's really hard, especially with the pandemic and COVID to go see a medical professional, like even urgent care or go to the ER. That's what most people would do. Um, But if they have like, if you have like a friend or somebody that you can call and see if it goes away, if you try and do something to distract yourself, right? Yeah. Like go outside get some fresh air and it's still not going away, then I would say, okay, well, maybe you should at least reach out to, um, like if you have your medical doctor, call the nurse, like if you can call the office and just ask, is this something where I need to come in or not? Almost like when my, my panic attacks, um, I always like, I, they start, my heart's racing. It's just, it's just crazy. Like, and then I think, oh, is this a heart attack? And then that almost makes the panic a million times worse because then you have this like, okay, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, and then manifesting those other forms of panic. So what I found was, okay, I need to distract myself. I'm going to go on my phone. And for some reason, all of the things in your phone make it almost worse because it's like sensory overload. So I'm also looking for things to distract myself that's not going to be like sensory overload. Well, Lauren, why don't you give her like all of your symptoms when you have them? And I'm curious to see if she thinks it's an anxiety attack or a panic attack. I mean, you seem pretty firm that it's panic. It's pure panic. Okay, I but, mean, but just, but just like give her some, some scoop. Um, I focus on my breathing too much. So like they always start with, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a situation that I can't leave. Like it can be as stupid as getting my nails done. I can't leave. Then I'm thinking about how I'm breathing. Am I breathing enough? Cause my mind just goes there immediately. And then I start to like over breathe and the hyperventilate. And then that starts my heart. And then here we go spiraling. So that's kind of how it happens. How long does it last? Um, my longest one was up to like two hours. It was the first one kind of, and then now it's usually like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. 
does it and it so I'm assuming it instilled a lot of fear in you when it it happens yes even the first one ever since the first one I just get more and more and more because like I'm putting myself there more almost like Mm -hmm. I'm like oh my god I hope it doesn't happen for two hours again and then prolonging it Mm -hmm. let me just give my medical legal disclaimer on your podcast yes (laughs) Lauren is not my patient and this is strictly for educational purposes only exactly okay yes absolutely (laughs) okay I think the level of distress that you experience in that moment, especially the duration, sounds more like a panic attack. Because again, like if it was an anxiety attack, you kind of know where it's coming from. You, mm-hmm. You'll feel, it's like, I describe an anxiety attack as like a near panic attack. It's not full blown where it's yeah. persisting longer and you don't know when it's going to end. So mm-hmm. I would say that does sound like a panic attack. So if you think about it as a spectrum, it's like anxiety attack is a near panic attack. Then there's panic attack, which is that discrete anxiety, uh, panic episode. And then on the other side of the spectrum is panic disorder, where now it's not just that you're experiencing panic attacks, but you have this associated fear like, uh, what if I get this again? I That's what it is. I yeah. had a panic attack in, was it the salon or you were at the nail salon? <laughs> I was like yeah. the nail salon. It literally on airplanes. I, airplanes. Um, they really started happening like in the middle of COVID though, because I kept hearing about people who had gone ventilators and weren't breathing well. And that kind of like spiraled my breathing or OCD a little bit. Mm-hmm. So anything like breathing or being trapped. Okay. So... Okay, so then, for example, it would be somebody with a similar um, symptoms as you. It would be panic disorder, Mm, again, on the other end of the spectrum, if now your behavior is changed to the point where you're avoiding places and things that remind you of when your panic attack was triggered. So now it's like, say you start avoiding the nail salon. Cause you're like, I had one in the nail I salon. Have, hello. <laughs> Look how terrible my nails are. And I haven't got my hair done. Like I'm just terrible. Okay. <laughs> and it's like interesting because if Lauren's driving around by herself, she's usually okay. But if somebody else is driving, she freaks out. Um, I don't, that's because of the control thing. I think. Yeah. Oh. We all know we are what we eat, but We also know how hard it is to plan and prep each week for healthy meals. Splendid Spoon, though, is going to send you plant-based, gluten-free, ready-made meals delivered right to your door. It saves you the grocery store trip, and it also stops you from having to buy, like, all those specialty ingredients that can really, like, add up when you're making a dish. Can I also just say that when... The one thing that has tried and true stopped my panic attacks is eating healthier. If I overeat fried, really? I swear to God, wow. if I eat fried food, then it like escalates my heart rate, your heart rate goes, and yeah. then that will bring me into a panic. So eating Splendid Spoon has come at the most perfect time in my life. Can I say what I love about Splendid Spoon? Yes. So they have these detox shots that are honestly unbelievable life-changing i take them every morning i can't scientifically say this is why but i haven't been sick in so very long Mm -hmm. and these are basically you guys know like the detox shots the ones that have turmeric ginger in them they have like all these different flavors and i have a bunch in my fridge my friend karen was just here i gave her one um i just they're my favorite types of shots to take i need to talk about how delicious 
the vegan meatballs and marinara are. Oh, the chocolate so cherry good. smoothie is smoothie smoothie. smoothie. <laughs> and the strawberry chocolate smoothie. Chocolate and cherry, though, are like my favorite combination of flavors. So I, I'm obsessed with that one. Oh, chocolate and cherry is so fire. I love it. All right, guys, we'll get started and save $35 today on your first order of delicious plant-based meals at splendidspoon.com slash get it 35. That's splendidspoon.com slash get it 35 to save $35 on your first order. Guys, that's only $6.66 per meal. So you're welcome. And thank you, Splendid Spoon, for sponsoring this podcast. Dr. V, what are some of the onsets? I want to get back to anxiety after we've sort of covered this more. What are the onsets of a panic attack? Because for Lauren, it sounds like it's a place where she feels trapped. Is that claustrophobia? Is that like too many things melted in one pot? What are the onsets and what do you think Lauren's onset is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So for panic specifically, not anxiety. Right. Okay. So sometimes we know what the trigger is. Sometimes we don't. And that's what makes it more stressful and fear inducing. So typically the onset is the physical symptoms. So usually when you sense fear, it starts with like a shortness of breath, like hyperventilating, right? Because that's usually one of our first responses. Um, and then that leads to a cascade of reactions. Like, so the best way to explain it, if you're breathing shallow and you're mm-hmm. hyperventilating, you're not getting as much oxygen to your brain. Now, everything, your heart functions to supply your entire body with blood, which delivers oxygen to your muscles, to your organs, to your brain. If you're breathing shallow, you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. So then your body goes into overdrive. It's like, oh my gosh, the brain's not getting enough oxygen. We -hmm. need to pump more blood there. So your heart starts pounding more. So that's where you can get heart palpitations, chest pain. And then if you're breathing shallow again, you're not getting enough oxygen to your muscles. So what happens? It starts to tense. You start to feel numbness and tingling. Um, and then if you're get, not getting enough oxygen to your brain, you might feel dizzy. You might feel like you're going to pass out. You might feel like you're not in reality. You feel like this derealization type, depersonalization type feeling. So I know people hate it when they say, just breathe or take some deep breaths because some people hate deep breathing. But that's really like the core of it and where it starts. So that's why you have to deep breathe because if you're going to stop this whole cycle of physical symptoms, the core of it is your breath (laughs) and making sure you're, you know, getting more oxygen in and not hyperventilating. But what are the onsets like? So you said that we don't, it could be anything essentially. Is that true that it could literally be anything? Okay, so I think I think usually so usually if someone tells me that they had a panic attack and they don't know where it's coming from, that's where I'll do some digging. I'll say, what are some stressors going on in your life right now? Um, and maybe it's not something that they're consciously aware of, but maybe it's financial stuff, maybe it's relationship stuff, maybe it's pandemic and feeling isolated, maybe it's your job. So there's usually certain layers of stress and then I don't know. It could be something that just triggers you. Like maybe you're driving and then something cuts you off. Somebody cuts you off. You know, that could be just that next layer of stress that sets you off 
So um, it could be coming from somewhere. Like the trigger could be your ongoing stressors. So it's a compound. Yeah. So it's a compound of one thing or multiple things stressing you. But what's so fascinating to me about it is that it's so random and so sudden. And so can you tell us physiologically what's going on in the body when, you know, I'm, oh, I guess, I guess it isn't sudden. I guess like Lauren was saying, if she's in a situation like the nail salon, if there, if there's an environment, I guess what Mm -hmm. I'm getting at is I guess there's an environment, right. That can like induce this. It could. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, just hits you. Sometimes I wake up out of a dream and I'm not breathing and my heart's racing. And so it can really pop out of nowhere. So it could be out of nowhere, right? So like, could I be at dinner with a friend, Dr. V, and then it'll just happen? (laughs) Like, even if you're in midst conversation, is that, is that a possibility? Oh yes. It can happen anywhere. Um, and that's the most distressing part of it. Cause I, I think if you're talking about, um, physiologically, kind of what's going on. Um, and I'll get back to your answering the question more clearly if I'm, if I'm going on a tangent, but, um, no. okay. <laughs> okay. So physiologically what's going on is there's this part of your brain called the amygdala, which is the part of your brain that's responsible for how you process fear. Um, what they found is that people with panic disorder, so kind of that full-blown fear of getting panic attacks, um, it tends to be more hyperactive. So uh, compared to somebody who doesn't have a history of panic disorder, um, it tends to be hyperactive even in the most safest environments. So who knows why? It could be related to your upbringing. Um, Maybe you lived in a chaotic environment, maybe someone who experienced abuse, or something like that. Um, it could be a could variety. Could it be genetics? Could definitely be genetic. Okay. So I think maybe if you want me to explain later, kind of like there's so many different things that it can be. And I'm mm-hmm. a medical doctor, so a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. So usually when someone comes in to see me for the first time about panic attacks, there's these whole other things that we assess for, like, is it a medical condition? that you're experiencing like thyroid disorder or something like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's so many different things we have to assess for because if this is just happening out of nowhere, we need to make sure it's not something else and that we just label you as having this psychiatric That's issue. Very interesting. I never thought about that. Um, so do could it turn into, could a panic attack turn into a physical actual problem if it is just panic attacks could it turn into like a heart issue or um something more serious yeah physically yeah the studies that they've done so for people who have panic disorder they have a more higher likelihood to um have uh asthma issues um like copd so that's kind of like emphysema chronic bronchitis and also cardiovascular issues too. So it's interesting because it's like, if you have asthma, you're more prone to panic attacks too, because um, there's that like fear if you're having an asthma attack, it feels the same as a panic attack. And vice versa, if you have um, 
panic attacks, you're like, and you don't have a medical issue, you're also in an extremely stressed out state, which can make you more prone to certain medical conditions too. So that's where it can get confusing. That makes sense. Every morning, I get so excited to take two Nutrafol supplements, and then I take two right before I go to bed, and I love looking at my hair and just seeing over the course of weeks and months how much thicker and fuller it is just because I'm taking Nutrafol. I love Nutrafol because I really want to grow my hair out because I just want to be like Cher, and yeah. On top of thicker, stronger hair without lasers or chemicals, Nutrafol's ingredients may also help you get a handle on better sleep and better on stress, which is what we're talking about here. So if you want to lessen your stress and grow hair, try out Nutrafol. Um, It also helps your skin, nails, and libido. And we all know we need a little more libido. Visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations that the power to grow thicker, stronger hair back into your hands. So in order to do that and support our show, again, that is Nutrafol.com. Use the promo code GETIT to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best available offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you can get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That is spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. Promo code GETIT. For hair as strong as you are. Can I, 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 I'm the person that likes to take a holistic approach to a lot of things. So if fear, if the amygdala, research shows that the amygdala is lit up more and more active in somebody who is panic attack or panic disorder prone, um, can we just water this down and say that this just begins with your own thoughts? Mm. And that your thoughts technically could control whether or not, if you had control over your thoughts, that you could then control whether or not you get a panic attack? Yeah. So, um, yes. (laughs) That's why a lot of people who do have panic disorder, if you seek support from like a mental health professional through therapy or even through psychiatric medication... Um, a lot of people go into remission, so it can stop, but of course there could be reoccurrences. So what was, um, let's see, I guess what is genetic and what is also perhaps learned in your upbringing? Like if, you're, if your parents have a history of panic attacks, you kind of learn from them. Oh, this is how I deal with stressful situations. I go into panic mode because that's what <laughs> you panic. see in them. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. kind of... But I have a perfect example of this because I, it's like that nature versus nurture conversation. But if you like are little and your parents trying to teach you how to ride a bike and you fall off the bike, the kid actually doesn't know how to react. They look to the parent as a mirror. And yeah. I remember when I would ever get, when I would get hurt or if that was me falling off the bike, my dad would panic. He'd be like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Get up. Like, are you okay? Are you okay? And if my dad, and I love him, but I think if he had just been like, you're fine, like get yeah. up, then I would have probably learned to not panic as much when like things maybe don't go my way or I think things are wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> That's actually use, a good example. Should we use Naz's example there as like anxiety though? Again, because like, should we be using that word panic or is that dramatic? Is- uh, <laughs> I, I guess if you wanted to be more technical, then then 
Uh, I would I say know. anxiety. I think I would say that that's a reason for my anxiety. I don't, yeah. I don't experience panic attacks currently. Mm-hmm. But can you get, at what age can panic attacks just start happening to you? Is that like an any age thing? Is anyone prone to this? Are women more prone? Mm-hmm. Like what are sort of the statistical figures behind who gets one, who doesn't get one? Mm-hmm. So typically panic disorder starts in late teens, um, late teens, or even it could be up to your forties. If someone's older than that, we usually are definitely looking at other issues like medical mm. issues. Um, it could be, well, okay. So it tends to be more women than men who get panic disorder. Um, yeah, it's interesting too, because I mean, women tend to have higher rates of depression too. So, um, do we know, do we know reasons why behind both of those figures? Um, there are theories so if you look at certain studies, like some of it will say we're not exactly certain why, and some have tried to prove that it's not necessarily the fact that maybe women tend to have more responsibilities as uh, um, uh, as yeah. um, mothers or as yeah. everything. I'd like to think that's why, but there's some studies you'll read that says it's debunked and that's not true. But but um, so it does okay. tend to happen. Studies in- done by men find <laughs> that uh, that's not the reason. Yeah, I mean, women are more burned out than men too. So there's definitely reasons. Um, so it is, does tend to happen in more women. Um, there definitely is a genetic component. And then also like what you mentioned, the nurturing and environmental component too. But also people who tend to um, have the most difficulty with panic disorder are people who have these ongoing chronic stressors in their lives. So people with lower socio in lower socioeconomic classes Uh, people who live in poverty, uh, people who don't have as much access to resources. So when you think about it, they have these ongoing stressors in their life, which makes them more prone. Do you find that um, exposure therapy works, like going to the places that would trigger you and just kind of getting used to it and showing that you're not going to die? And I don't, I'm just looking for myself, honestly, right now. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So going back to Nas's um, focus on the holistic approach, um, the mainstays of therapy for panic disorder, uh, mainstays of treatment for panic disorder is therapy mm-hmm. and medication can help too. But definitely therapy in combination with medication is better than nothing. The type of therapy like cognitive behavioral therapy um, works on some of the, the things that you mentioned when you were describing your panic attack. For example, the physical symptoms and then how that progresses to the negative feelings like, oh my gosh, I'm going to (laughs) die. And then it changes your behavior to wanting to flee the nail salon. So cognitive behavioral therapy stops that progression and cycle so that you can stop it before it gets worse. Um, And part of that, yeah, part of cognitive behavioral therapy and what I always tell people when it comes to overcoming panic disorder or social anxiety disorder or any type of anxiety disorder, I always say the key is to avoid avoidance because, yeah, because once you keep avoiding, it's like you're giving power to your anxiety. And I've had some people who never sought help and they avoided their entire life to the point where they're like at home and they don't want to leave their house because Mm -hmm. that's their safe place. I feel like that's hoarders kind of like the mess kind of gives them anxiety. So they just avoid cleaning the mess and then the mess turns into like 20 years of hoarding or something. 
There's a what component. Are, she's like hoarding's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, she's like uh, it's very it's not it's not that seamless. What are some examples? I love CBT personally, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I'm someone who like when I'm sad, one of the ones my therapist, Dr. Mike, who's been on this podcast before, has given me is to smile for about I think it's like over 30 seconds. And like, I literally look like the Joker in my car where I'm just smiling. And oh after 30 God. seconds, you actually start feeling happy. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, that worked. Thank God. Are there I examples? The you say like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited over and over again. <laughs> yeah. That for you. I tried. Are All there right, examples well- <laughs> of CBT that you can give Lauren or other people experiencing anxiety or panic attacks like that, that they can do in the moment? Yeah. I really like that example and I've heard that before and I've tried it before too. It does really does work because <laughs> it stops you. Right? You feel like so, I don't know. I feel like an idiot sometimes when I'm just smiling. Exactly. So it's like funny. Yeah, <laughs> like, but it's oh a distraction. God. You're not thinking it about. Distraction. It's not progress. It's not making the cycle progress and get worse. Right. So that's why a lot of it is distraction techniques. So for some people, and you have to find what works for you. So again, like for some people, deep breathing is really automatic for them. Um, For some people, they have to like pinch themselves or something like something like pain, you know, Mm -hmm. to distract Mm -hmm. them from their feelings. Um, Some people like go to their happy place and think about like the beach or something. So there's various different things that people do, but you have to experiment and find what works for you. But I do like the smiling one. Yeah. Essentially, it's like a dog giving, you're giving your brain a toy. It's like giving a dog a toy to chew on. Um, Ringing the bell for food. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, Lauren and I are the opposite of holistic. We love medication. Um, At what point do you start to recommend medication for this? That's a great question. So usually when I'm evaluating someone for the first time, I'm assessing the level of dysfunction that this level of anxiety causes in their life. 
So I do get some people who've only had maybe like one or two panic attacks and they're really concerned because they've never had it before. I usually tell them to, you know, maybe it's not that severe to the point where you need medication. So try therapy first. Um, But when it comes to medication, if your life is distressing, it's affecting your job, it's affecting your social life, it's affecting your your personal life because now you don't want to go anywhere so your significant others like what's wrong with you and can you relate Laura are you in my house (laughs) (laughs) um okay okay, yeah so that's that's so it sounds like you made the right move I made the right move um (laughs) so the the medications would stop your amygdala 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 what is it amygdala 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 from over firing to some degree it could so medications are and this is this is something that I always tell people, like, honestly, the brain is so complex that sometimes the exact mechanism of why medication works is definitely not clear. Mm-hmm. But the whole purpose of medications is because um, there's a hypothesis that serotonin, certain brain chemicals like serotonin, GABA, which is what alcohol targets to is GABA, um, norepinephrine, that these are involved with panic disorder. So a lot of the medications we give, like um, I'll just give generics like fluoxetine, sertraline, those different types are to just flood your brain more with those chemicals to um, increase the amount that's floating in your brain to improve connections in your brain, like strengthen. So strengthening the connections in the part of your brain involved with anxiety um, to relieve your symptoms so you could take because i take gaba every night and put it in my water it's a powder you can get off amazon so are there supplements people can buy if they're maybe let's say they're dealing with it they're not ready for medication or maybe their doctor doesn't think they should get on medication but is there are there things that they can buy right now that can help like gaba Mm -hmm. yeah so if it's not severe Usually I get some Or in the who, sense of anxiety attack. I mean, let's talk about me. I feel like I get anxiety attacks, but I really still don't fully think I know what it is. Mm-hmm. Is it just like when you're just feeling a lot of anxiety, like your heart's racing and you know it, you caused it? Is that considered an anxiety attack? Yeah, usually Or does it have know. to be semi-physical? Usually if you know where it's coming from and then you feel like you can do things to stop it, that's more of like an anxiety attack. So any oh. form of anxiety is an anxiety attack? No, that's actually my, my biggest question. First, we were thinking like we're like panic attack versus anxiety attack. But now I got to know, what's the difference between just being nervous yeah. and having an anxiety attack? Yeah. Exactly. So I guess that would be, okay. So I guess that would be on the other end of the spectrum where ner- being nervous and anxious is definitely normal evolutionarily. Because yeah. um, then if you're... If you're in a situation where you have to flee and run for your life, then, you know, it's going to save your life. You're thinking rational. So um, being nervous is normal. So like if you're for someone with social anxiety doing a podcast or speaking in front of a crowd, that's normal for you to feel Mm -hmm. nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you're being, you know, like held up at, I don't want to say it, but, you know, held up at gunpoint or something. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna be anxious. So the difference is, um, typically in those types of situations where you have a normal level of anxiety, it's understandable. Um, and then the hope is that you will use that anxiety to your advantage to flee and save your life. Whereas when you're having panic attacks, 
you don't know necessarily know what the trigger is. So you're not going to think rationally because what are you, what are you fleeing from? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can compartmentalize your anxiety and nerves and then panic is just a flooding of, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, that's, it's more irrational. I want to be at the point that even if I jump out of a plane, I feel no nerves or no anxiety or no panic. That's how chilled out I hope to be one day. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, no, but you can't. I mean, actually, I don't know if you can. I'm like, yeah, people jump out of airplanes and I can't go to a nail salon. Like I'm trying to get on that level, you know? (laughs) I can jump out of a plane and not be scared. Wow. That's amazing. Is it because you've done it so many times? But I, no, I've never done it. I'm just not. (laughs) It's weird, but I get a lot of anxiety <laughs> before I go live on camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think because you care about being, I mean, you care about being good at that and you can't really care. That is actually, I mean, that's very interesting. Like for you, it's it's worse to be not perfect in your career than to than possibly dying. die to have an airplane. Yeah. 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 I well, think it's I because mean, I know we're all going to die. And, well, wait, Naz, I want to yeah. know when was the last time you felt something that was like so near death? Like, can you even think about something like that would be equated to? Yeah, right. Yeah, when that lion walked right by me in Africa last month, I was like, I was really scared. Remember, I told you guys, and I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, Naz, this is what real fear is. Not when you go keep remembering that before you go live is the lion was real fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I believe we can control our thoughts to not be scared in all of it. Like you were saying, Lauren, I just think it takes a lot of time and practice. I hope I'm also well, hoping the medication that works say, that much. I think what she's saying is that you don't, you always want to have a healthy amount of fear and anxiety. I'm sure someone I, would agree, <laughs> but I want to be totally chilled out. But Dr. Um, v true or false. The fear part of our brain, because our brain's basically like four different characters. The fear part of our brain has like, it's there and we love it. And it's amazing because it keeps us safe. But, like, would you not argue that it hasn't really evolved to catch up with the times that we're in right now? Because True. It's, I mean, I think. we're just scared of the fucking dumbest things these days. And it's <laughs> like, I'm not going to die being on camera. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And so at what point, I just, I really have, like, a love-hate relationship with that part of our brain. Because I know it's just there. Mm-hmm. Like, even when you're around someone, right, that seems sketchy. Or, like, even when a friend... Hopefully no one goes through this, but I know everyone goes through this. But like if you have a friend that you feel like maybe isn't being super trustworthy, right? And like that part of your brain goes off. Like I love that, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe we shouldn't hang out with this person anymore. Maybe this guy's going to hurt me. But it's all these other situations like mm-hmm. being at the nail salon or going on camera. Yeah. That it's like, actually, why do millennials, do millennials have more anxiety than any other generation? <laughs> Um, okay. So, so they tend to, but when you think about what millennials grew, I'm an ex So when you think about what millennials grew up with, like your norm is social media. Your norm is for you to see what other people are doing all the time and then have this constant comparison. <laughs> um, your norm is where, um, people care more about appearances um, than before because we were lucky. I was fortunate to grow in a time when, you know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have smartphones. So definitely the level of stress that millennials experience are more things that are unavoidable. 
um, in your day-to-day life. So, and well, you can't avoid social media. You can't, or you can. You can. you can. Yeah. You can, but then you probably have other types of anxiety, like the, like the fear of missing out. Yeah. yeah. So there's that too, because all the studies that have been done, and, and I don't, if, tell me if this is on a tangent, but all the studies that have been done for social media talk about how people who are, um, it's usually like adolescents and teens have higher rates of um, suicidal thoughts, higher rates of anxiety disorders, lower self-esteem. So you come you experience a whole set of stressors that people who are a little, who are older like me did not have to live with. <laughs> Would you say that, you know, okay, so teens and young, young people tend to have higher rates of those issues. Is that across the board for all generations or is it really just, did it start with millennials? Oh, you mean uh, when it comes to social media or? Just- no, just, just like, you know, with high rates of suicide and depression and all that stuff. Is that, a thing that is of more of more recent times. Mm-hmm. Like if we were to go back in time to like the sixties, were those kids better adjusted? Um, they probably had different sets of stressors. However, if we had to go to more current times, um, the higher rates of suicide and suicidal thoughts are among um, teens. Z. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that relates to the pandemic. I think that relates to more isolation, um, lack of connection. Speaking of, of speaking on your clients specifically, is there a common theme recently or in the last year that you have seen being the onset of a panic attack mm-hmm. or an anxiety attack? Is there like one thing that you've been just seeing a lot of recently? Yeah. So when the pandemic started that's when I started getting people who've never (coughs) excuse me never had psychiatric issues before and for their first time in their lives developed panic attacks at the onset of the pandemic so um that's definitely something more common that I've seen lately as a big trigger Mm -hmm. And so what does that mean exactly, the pandemic? Like, is it people being at home more now? Like, why, I guess, is my question. Um, For some of them, it was because they were more isolated. Mm -hmm. For I mean, I had a lot of women who are mothers, so not knowing what to do with their kids. And then also the financial aspect, because a lot of them lost their jobs. So it wasn't just women necessarily, but women and men who lost their jobs. So, of course, a huge part of their identity is their work for most people. So when you lose that, you get depressed and then you're also panicking because what are you going to do financially? When are you going to be able to work again? There was so much uncertainty for a lot of people that it started to um, bring up more anxious feelings. Whereas I think people were able to manage them better or keep them at bay, but these are huge stressors in their life. And the, the sense of uncertainty for them was enough to start to trigger panic in a lot of them. For the you're first probably time more ever. distracted, like more distracted when you're working, when you're going out. So what, I could imagine a mom at home with her kids running around, literally feeling trapped. Yeah. And then all of a sudden breathing heavy, the whole thing, the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Terrible. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. 
So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. What? Um, Is there... Sorry, continue, Naz. I was going to say, what can we do as friends if, like, if I'm hanging out with Lauren and Lauren has a panic attack and I'm next to her, what should I do to aid Lauren or whoever? Yeah, that's a great question, too, because it's nice when you have a friend there because your friend could be a source of comfort and distraction. So in those types of situations, I I, um, suggest, like, finding a way to um, bring Lauren back. Be like, I don't know where you're going right now, but come back here. Like even just grabbing her hand or giving her a hug or something that is- Lauren's like, no, don't touch me. (laughs) Okay. If you don't like that, (laughs) you don't like that. There's like different things. My fiance, he was not great at it at the beginning. Um, But then he was like, what do you need? And I was like, the only thing that'll help me is that by you telling me that it's just a panic attack, nothing else is happening. Like you're not dying. This is, you're not having a heart attack. That's the only thing that works for me personally. Okay. And that's great too. It's a sense of reassurance because then you're able to hear that and you're like, okay, wherever your mind's going, it brings you back. Yeah, to the present yeah. moment um, to stop the cycle of it getting worse. But also physical touch also helps people because it brings you back mm-hmm. to earth. Yes. Like my friend told me that if I'm ever feeling panic or whatever, um, to like look at your hands and count them, like you're literally count your fingers. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you that simple thing will get me out like before I spiral because I'm like, I am too busy counting and feeling like one with my mind and my body that I can't even go down the rabbit hole. I also right. like when people follow their senses. Like when I get anxiety, I've never had a panic attack, but when I get anxiety, I stop and I, I'm i like, oh, what can I see right now? Oh, mm-hmm. like that tree is green. What do I smell right now? What can I feel? Okay. And like if I do three senses, like touching the desk, seeing the tree outside, like smelling you know, I don't know, my perfume or whatever. I think that brings me into the present moment easily yeah. too. But are there other ways aside from the ones we've mentioned that um, work and are effective? Yeah, well, for some people, it's um, even just going outside because um, oftentimes people feel claustrophobic. Again, whatever it takes to get you back into a normal breathing pattern and away yeah. from the environment that's triggering you. For some people, it's just like they'll drink, they'll go and drink a glass of water or something, like the whole glass just to... Regulate everything. Yeah, regulate. Yeah, water and, really helps for sure. Really? Yeah. Does singing just, work? 
You could, <laughs> that's like the smiling thing. It's going to distract you. Yeah, like you, if I was feel... like humming twinkle, twinkle, little star. Yeah, it I've... could work. That could work too. That could work, yeah. There's so many little things. What about alcohol? <laughs> is one glass of wine um, in the, the beginning of a panic attack an, a good idea or not? <laughs> That's a great question, Ashley. That's terrible advice from asking for like a, a doctor. No, right because now, but... it's a, well, it's a depressant. So it's, I think it's a very ter- yeah, fair people, question. People think of it as relaxing. It is a good question. And when you think about some of the top, three places where people have the most anxiety like on a plane um in the airport that's why people drink alcohol yeah um because and it also uh the way that alcohol acts when i'm trying to de- describe it to people it's kind of like um uh alprazolam or like xanax uh-huh. the same yeah. function just without the calories um <laughs> xanax yeah. to stop it so I don't suggest it. However, if it lowers your level of anxiety and you're drinking in moderation and it does help um, lower your level of anxiety to make it more manageable, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I wish booze would work for me, but my body's bizarre. Booze gives me anxiety and smoking Mm -hmm. doesn't give me anxiety. Yeah, I I used to be like that, Naz, but now I I enjoy wine or beer whenever i'm out because i i like need it to make sure i don't spiral in front of other humans mm. and lauren means in very much moderation oh like one because i'm i'm wasted at two um so before we leave here i wanted to know your thoughts on like medications that you think are really good and medications that you think would not be are not like the most effective for an anxiety disorder mm. So, and that- is a pan- sorry, is a panic attack considered anxiety disorder? Sorry, are those the same thing? Oh, I guess medications is usually given for panic disorder. Like panic the actual disorder. disorder. Okay, so like say I'm on an anxiety medication. So if I'm on an anxiety medication, it would it wouldn't I feel like a tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like a panic disorder would be prescribed like Xanax to take while you're panicking and then take something else for your anxiety, like general anxiety disorder. Yeah. So, um, stuff like Xanax, which are benzodiazepines that can be used for, to kind of, um, abort the panic attack before it gets worse. It's not recommended that you take it on a daily basis because just like alcohol, if someone takes something every day, their tolerance can build up and then you get dependent on it. Then when you're trying to stop taking it, then part of the withdrawal symptoms could be panic. So terrible. Yes. So you don't want to get in that cycle. Um, But then aside from that, the recommended treatment are uh, classes of medications called SSRIs, which target serotonin. Um, and then there's also another class of medication called SNRIs, which targets serotonin and norepinephrine, which is also involved with anxiety. So those are the most commonly prescribed medications. I don't necessarily think certain ones are better than others because there's a lot of reasons we might recommend one over the other. For example, family history. If someone in your family has panic disorder and takes a certain medication, you have similar genetics, I may recommend that you try the same thing. So there's a lot of factors that we consider when choosing one to try first. Lauren is like, is right though. When she says that like, if you're um, prescribed to like an SSRI, you're going to be less likely to end up needing the Xanax, right? Because the panic attacks won't arise as much. 
if it helps. And that's the goal is that your baseline level of anxiety on a day-to-day basis just lowers. It takes the edge off in general. And usually once I, for people where it actually does help, maybe in the beginning they were taking Xanax more frequently, but once the SSRI kicks in, they just don't have a need for it as much anymore. And that's the goal. And that's what we want to achieve. So I get anxiety like, like everyone. How do I know if I should be on like anxiety medicine or anti-anxiety medicine Mm -hmm. or not? Yeah. Even versus like supplement, just trying supplements over the counter. Like, like, yeah. And I also wanted to ask you if you knew of any, if meditation like proved like to help with any of these things. Mm -hmm. So, um, usually we prescribe, uh, psychiatric medication for the disorder, because that's where it's more detrimental in your life, right? Because when someone has panic attacks, it's perhaps not to the point where you're constantly fearing having another one on a day-to-day basis. So your level of dysfunction in your daily life isn't as severe. So usually psychiatric medication is recommended when it's reached the point of being a disorder where it's like impacting Mm -hmm. you on a day-to-day basis. So if anxiety was impacting me on a day-to-day basis... Yeah, so maybe but like then a it techni- But isn't it technically right? People that get anxiety, can't oh. you technically just get anxiety every day over you, something? You could get anxiety every day. And I would hope people get anxiety every day to challenge themselves, but not to the yeah. point where it's detrimental in their life. You know, like a healthy level of anxiety. Got mm-hmm. it, got it. So if it was preventing me from like taking a work call or doing something, then that's when you would recommend talking to someone about getting on medication. Yes, because it's sense. causing yeah. problems in your day-to-day life. Right. And then what about meditation? Are there any studies on if that's like helped any of this at all? Because you mentioned breathing a lot Mm -hmm. on this podcast. Hypnotherapy too for panic attacks. Yeah, that helps a lot of people too. So meditation um, can definitely lower people meditate and have different versions of meditation that works for them as well. Um, But meditation can help panic too, because it's strengthening the ways that you cope with those physical symptoms, right? Because a lot of meditation is kind of being more present, mindful, grounded in the moment, focus on your breathing. So it can definitely be helpful for sure. But it's not as, um, not to the extent as CBT. Right. I think that the reason why people, no, I don't think, I think it's silly that we call it panic attack. I think that makes it worse and I think if we called them silly attacks, then maybe they wouldn't feel silly so attacks. severe. <laughs> like if I was like, I'm having a silly attack right now. But this is also, I recognize that I've never had one. So I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. So you don't have to, you don't have to send me a message telling me that. <laughs> Everyone's this doesn't like, make sense. You have no idea. It's I already know that yet. and I'm half kidding. But yeah. I kind of wish they were called silly attacks. So I will tell you just really know. quickly that there is like a good point to your comment, because I think there's a lot of labels in psychiatry that perhaps are not necessary. (laughs) Um, Because once people have a label, then there's like this self-fulfilling prophecy, like they feel like it's their identity. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's one of the problematic things about my field, but I will leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, we could talk about that forever. People first language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's true. Like if I was having a panic attack, even saying, oh my God, I'm having a panic attack. The word panic just doesn't help me, I don't think, in that situation. That's all. Hmm. Yeah. This was so educational. I feel like I had one really good question, but I can't remember it now. Go on without me. (laughs) 
It'll Aww. come to you. Well, Dr. V, before we let you go, maybe Lauren will think of it. Is there anything that you think people should know before you leave us about this topic? Yeah. Anything we didn't cover? Mm, I would just say that um, for a lot of people who are afraid to seek help from a mental health professional, um, not to be afraid. A lot more people these days have been seeking help and support, especially during the pandemic to the point where it's the norm. And then you have, you know, people in the limelight, like, um, Ashley and Lauren and Naz who are talking about their own issues. So, you know, people don't feel like you're alone and that it's stigmatizing. It's okay to seek help. It's also like so fun and relaxing. Like you get to literally be a hundred percent yourself with zero judgment. It's great. Exactly. And we're paying them not to judge us, everyone. <laughs> oh, I remember my question. Oh, yay. Um, yay. Okay. I'm sorry. Did, um, is there like a blood test or like a test like that you can um, tangibly see that someone has high anxiety or, or panic attacks? I guess like, like a cat, could a cat scan or, or sort of scan a blood work that? or something? No. No, nothing that's proven. And then the okay. tests that are out there, I mean, there's a variety of different tests, but none of them have salt. There's, there's, unfortunately, that's the hard part about psychiatry yeah. is there's no confirmatory like tests, like checking. There's no level like your blood pressure, you have hypertension or you have diabetes in a blood test. So yeah. it's all clinical assessment. Got you. All right. Great Thank question. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. So awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Bye. Bye, guys. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app. I don't podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.